Well, good morning again. This morning we are continuing our sermon series entitled Jesus is Better, a study through the book of Hebrews. Last week we began this series and I hope that each of us walked out of this place knowing without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is better. He has a better name. He, he is better because he created all things into existence. He is better. We looked at how in the past God spoke to his creation by the prophets, and that was good. But then we looked at how he speaks to us in a much better way today. He speaks through his son, Jesus Christ. We are told in Hebrews that Jesus is a better messenger. He is a better leader. He is a better high priest. He is a better covenant. Now this morning, we're going to see that Jesus is better than the angels. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you again this morning thanking you for being better. You are not just better, but you are much, much, much better than all. And we thank you this morning that you created us and you have given us a mission within your created order to magnify and glorify you and to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ across the street and around the world. Lord, be with us this morning as we dive into your word. Lord, speak to us. May each one of us be changed by your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Think about angels for just a moment. From the time that we are little kids, we read about angels. We hear people talk about angels, and we even see them depicted in movies. Um, we see them, I think, um, we get a very warped um, idea of angels because of our depiction of them. Think about some of these pictures that we have up here of angels. We see um, angels um, often in their glorious um, state is how, you know, a lot of times we see angels as being these beautiful women that wear, um, wear wings. Um, we also see angels um, as little fat babies, um, with wings, sometimes they wear a diaper, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they've got an arrow in their hands. We see um, angels. This one's kind of warped here, but um, there, there are these things called Anaheim angels, I believe. Um, is that right, Chris? Okay, all right. So there's angels in sports. Um, there are angels in movies. This is John Travolta in, a, in an angel movie called Michael. And my personal favorite angel of all time is Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. Um, you know, the problem with Clarence is, is Clarence was um, a little sinful himself as he walked um, with, with um, George, wasn't he? But these are the depictions we have of angels, and a lot of that comes straight out of Hollywood that tell us this is how angels are and what they are to, to look like. Um, let me ask you, um, on the next screens here, I want, I want to you to answer, um, what number do you see here? Okay, next screen. You may need to bring the lights down just a little bit, guys, just so that they can um, see these a little bit better. Um, what number do you see here? Okay. What number do you see in the next one? Okay. In the next one? Okay. Here's the problem with that. Okay. I see the first two, but I don't see the second two. I am colorblind, or the more political way 
way of saying this is I am color deficient, okay? I see colors, but I can't distinguish colors. I have a, a strong proton color blindness, a type of red-green color blindness in which the red cones in my eyes detect too much green light and not enough red light. Um, so if you couldn't see any of those, you're colorblind. If there were two out of four that you couldn't see, you are colorblind. You need to go see your doctor immediately, okay? Um, just because I'm colorblind, it does not mean that colors do not exist, right? Just because we do not see something, that does not mean that they do not exist. There are angels all around us. Angels are incredible. They have been part of recorded history since the beginning. No one knows when God spoke them into existence, but we know without a shadow of a doubt that God did indeed speak angels into existence. They are holy. They are magnificent. They reflect the glory of the Lord, and they are messengers of God. They are servants. They are good, but guess what? Jesus is better. Let's look at our focal passage this morning. Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 4, and we're going to read through the conclusion of Hebrews 1, verse 14. These are the words um, of the Lord. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? This morning, we're going to see that, that angels are good. But Jesus is better. Notice, notice the first point that we have. Jesus has a better, our first point, Jesus has a better name. Clearly, there was a high value placed on angels um, in the first century. Um, some, said, some, um, some say that angels were worshipped. In fact, they believed that a person could pray to angels, and the angels that are gathered around the throne room of God would intercede on their behalf. The writer of Hebrews sets out to silence anyone attempting to claim the superiority of angels over Christ. He tells us in verse 4, having become as much superior to angels or the name as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus is not just superior to angels, but as we see in this passage of scripture, he is much superior to angels. And the name, his name gives evidence of his superiority. The very name Jesus means, means Yahweh 
saves. And notice what Scripture says about the name of Jesus. By his name comes salvation. Acts 4, 11 through 12 tells us that. By his name comes forgiveness. We read that in Acts chapter 10, verse 43. By his name we are baptized. We see this in Acts 2, 38. By his name we are healed. Acts 3, 16 tells us that. By his name we pray. John 14 gives evidence of that. By his name we confess Jesus to be Lord. We read that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. The name of Jesus is not just a name. It is the greatest of all names because of the whom because of the one whom the name was given to. If anything, I would say that the greatest tragedy amongst believers today is that we do not treasure the name of Jesus like we should. We do not preach sermons believing that by the name of Jesus people are saved. You remember how I started last week's message? I quoted from Charles Spurgeon, um, who whenever he opened up the book of Hebrews, he told his congregants that I have nothing to do tonight but to preach Jesus Christ. Do you know of a greater name than Jesus? You don't, because there is no greater name than Jesus. Angels are important messengers of God. Throughout Scripture, we read how they have spoken to man on behalf of God. They have protected man and still do protect us from the attacks of the enemy. Don Fortner shared, Christ is, in all things, is better than, superior to, and more excellent than the angels by an infinite degree. He is the creator. They are his creatures. He is the king. They are his subjects. He is independent. They are dependent upon him for all things. He is the one worshiped. They are his worshipers. He is the master. They are his servants. He is the one who sins. They are sent by him. He is the one who blesses. They are blessed by him. Throughout scripture, we see this to be true. Now, we're going to continue walking through Hebrews chapter 1 this morning. And one thing that we're about to see is we're about to see the writer of Hebrews reach back into the Old Testament Scripture to give evidence of Jesus' superiority over the angels. Jesus, our, our, the writer, is going to go straight to the, to the Scripture in which all of these people would have been familiar with and, and, and reach back and give evidence to them of Jesus' superiority, the first thing, or the next thing that we see here is that Jesus has a better standing. In verse 5, we read, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. The writer of Hebrews here, he reaches back to First um, Samuel 7, 14, or 2 Samuel 7, 14, as well as Psalm 2, 7. Both of these passages speak of Jesus' superiority. Never did God tell an angel that they were his son. That title was given and is reserved for Jesus Christ, the Son of God only. God would affirm this at Jesus' baptism. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, we read of Jesus, the day that Jesus was baptized. And when Jesus came out, up out of the water, God the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. At his transfiguration, 
when, whenever the, um, a few of the disciples went up on the mountain and, and, and Jesus was there and, and, and um, a couple of the prophets showed up and Jesus' um, skin was ripped away and the disciples were able to look upon Jesus in his unveiled glory. And as they're doing all of this, God the Father speaks and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And we also see in his word, in Hebrews chapter 5, 5, we read, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Angels are good, but Jesus is better, isn't he? Notice next we see God's declaration. In verse 6 and 7, again, we read again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. God has directed both the worship of the angels and their work. Here we see him direct their worship. If we, it would be the angels that would both testify of the incarnation of Christ and worship Jesus at his birth throughout his life. And today they gather around his throne and worship him. Think about this. The angels worship Jesus at his pronouncements. It was the angels that would, would tell both um, Mary and Joseph that they were going to have a child. And that, that the child would be born of Mary, who was a virgin. They would worship Jesus at his pronouncements. The angels would worship Jesus at his birth. They declared to the shepherds who were out tending the sheep in the field that Jesus had been born in Bethlehem. And after they made that declaration, the night sky lit up and the angels worshiped the Son of God. After his temptation, after Jesus was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, what, what, what happened? An angel came and tended to Jesus. In the garden, an angel of the Lord appeared and strengthened Jesus. After his resurrection, an angel of the Lord testified of his glorious resurrection to those at the tomb. At his ascension, two angels appeared telling the disciples that Jesus would return just as he ascended. And today, in the heavenly, we read in Revelation, John makes the declaration that the angels are gathered around the throne of God on their faces, worshiping God the Father. The angels are good, but in verse 7, the writer, the writer makes it clear that the angels were created. Just like God created the earth, just like God created the waters, just like God created you and me, he created the angels as well. And we'll read that in, in verse 7, and it's from Psalm 104 that that Hebrews writer um, um, draws that truth. God spoke the angels into existence, just like he spoke every other part of his creation into existence. Angels are good, but Jesus is better. Notice next, unlike the created angels, unlike the created angels, Jesus is king. Notice his rule in verse 8 we see. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. 
The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. One writer said of, of this passage of Scripture, they said that it builds up like a, like a great cantata would build up. This passage reads like a great cantata, rising rapidly to the crescendo. The writer has been building up and speaking of the angels. He has been putting them in their rightful place as servants of Jesus. Now he helps the reader understand where Jesus' rightful place is. He is seated at the right hand of God, and his throne is an everlasting throne. The scepter of his kingdom that he holds in his hand is the scepter of righteousness, meaning that Jesus rules rightly. He is the eternal God, eternal King. He is Jesus Christ, the great I am. He is the Son of God. He rules rightly and he rules righteously. In verse 9 we read, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. The writer of Hebrews again quotes the psalmist here. He is confirming from the Old Testament that the Lord indeed hates wickedness. I mean, through, throughout Scripture, we see evidence of the Lord hating wickedness and destroying um, man as a result of their wickedness. You got, you got the flood. Okay, you have Sodom and Gomorrah. And you see time and time again where man is held accountable because of his sin and his wickedness. Read the pages of Scripture and you see this time and time again to be true. The Lord hates wickedness and there are consequences for our wickedness. But there is a solution to our wickedness as well. And that is righteousness. And righteousness can be found in the person of Jesus, right? And it comes to us when we place our faith in Jesus and repent of our sins. Jesus came to provide a way for the curse of sin to be broken. Do you know Jesus this morning? If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Have you entered into an eternal relationship with him? If not, why not? Notice next we see Jesus' power. In verses 10 through 12 we read, And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will, wear, they will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and you, your years will have no end. Again, the writer references the psalmist here, Psalm 102, to be exact. He speaks of the finality of all things. This earth will one day wear out. And what the Lord is literally going to do is he's he going to roll it up like a garment would be rolled up and discard it for a new heaven and a new earth. This earth will one day wear out. These garments we wear will one day wear out. This shell of a body that, 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 that we all have will one day be laid six feet under the ground. This church house, this room, 
these pews, the, the, all of the technology in this room, those that will join us in our next hour via their television or their smart devices, um, all of those things one day will wear out. But the Lord, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and evermore. He never changes and will never change. When Jesus comes again, we get a glimpse in Scripture of what that day will look like. There will be a dreadful day for all who have not trusted Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of their life. The devil will be defeated. His demons will be defeated. All mankind that have chosen to follow after the Antichrist will be defeated. and They will be cast into the fire of hell. This earth and everything in it will be destroyed. There is gloom and doom to come. But there is also a day to look forward to as a believer. One day the Lord will create a new heaven and a new earth. This new earth will be purified and without the presence of sin. I don't know about you, but I long for that. Not only will it be um, without the presence of sin, but there will be no sickness. There will be no heartache. There will be no pain. It will be a perfect place. Everything will be new. But you know what? Christ will remain as he is. He will be the same because he does not change. You know, people try to change him. Many churches have tried to change him. Our government tries to change him. Religions try to change him and turn him into someone that, that fits their belief system. You know churches that have done that. You know religions that have done that as well. Back in the day when I was a kid, um, that was a few years ago, but um, we there was a song that was out there, and I don't even know what that name of that song was, but one of the songs that we would sing at FCA, at youth camp, and even sometimes at camp was a song that went like this, and I've, I've shared this with you before, but if I had a little black box to put the devil in, I'd take him out, and somehow we sang this, I don't remember how, but we'd, I'd take him out, and I would stomp his face, and I'd put him right back in. But if I had a little red box to put my Jesus in, I'd take him out, and I would hug his neck, and I would share him with a friend. You know, the, that sounds like a cute little song, doesn't it? But I'm so glad my theology of worship has changed over the years because that is one of the dumbest, unscriptural songs ever, okay? Bill, I know you probably led that back in the day. I'm so glad that your theology of worship has changed today because today's worship was fantastic. If you sang this back in the past, it probably wasn't quite as fantastic. But you see what the writer does in this song, right? He attempted to make Jesus into someone that could be changed and molded and formed and sculpted in order to make some catchy song out of it. Jesus does not change and never changed. And we need to stop living our lives as if he does. We are the ones that need to change. We are the ones that need to experience change, not the Son, because he never changes. In Isaiah 51, 6, we read, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they will dwell in it, and it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. In Hebrews um, 13, 8, we read, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes and never will change. He's always the same, 
And that's what the writer of Hebrews is making clear to every single one of us in this room and every single one of those that he wrote to back in the first century, that Jesus is better because he has never changed and will never change. The angels, they were created by God the Father. Jesus is better. To wrap up this message this morning, notice um, we can know that angels are indeed Jesus' warriors. Okay, In verses 13 and 14 we read, And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Here the writer returns to where he left off in verse 3. We looked at this last week. But Jesus, after completing his redemptive work, after coming and dying on the cross for our sins and, 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 and defeating death and raise, rising to life again, he would ascend from which he descended and take his rightful place next to the right hand of God the Father. His redemptive work was done. But for the angels, their work continues on. The angels have and always have played an important role within human history. They are messengers of God. In history's past, they were dispatched by God to speak for God. They are protectors of God's people. As we have already seen, angels worship God. They have always worshiped God and will always worship God throughout all of eternity. But also notice this, angels serve man. Angels have as one of their jobs to minister to the people of God and protect as directed by God. Knowing who angels are and what their role is, let me share with you a time when I believe that an angel or angels were sent to protect me. If you've been a part of this church for a while, many years ago I shared this, but um, if you were to ask my dad, and most of you know my dad, um, he would tell you that a host of angels were always dispatched around me to protect me because I was what you would call a klutz growing up. Um, my mom used to say that I was an accident waiting um, for something to happen. One early morning when I was in college, I had left from Abilene to go to church, to a church that I was serving at in Breckenridge, Texas, um, called Bethany Baptist Church. On this particular morning, I was very tired, um, and, and to keep awake, um, when I would get tired a lot of times, I'd roll the windows down, I'd crank the music up, and sometimes as I drove down the road, I would, oh, sorry about that, I would slap myself in the face just to try and, and wake up. There is a large bridge that expands out over Hubbard Lake, which leads into Breckenridge. On this particular morning, I fell asleep going across that bridge. I have no idea how long I was asleep, but I remember waking up, and somehow I went from, from, from being at about a 90-degree angle on a collision course with the side of that bridge to, in a split moment, being, being righted in the right direction. It is almost as if there was an angel that was in front of me that took the front of my car and touched it and pointed it in the right direction. You know, I, I have some mad driving skills, okay? Um, some of you have been with me and you know that I have some mad driving skills, but I don't have that mad of driving skills. I'm not that good. I believe with all my heart that God dispatched an angel to protect me that day. Otherwise, I may not even be in this room with you this morning. Folks, all around us this morning, there are angels that have been dispatched by God to protect us. And if God so chooses, and this is a key, if God so chooses for them, they will protect us. 
Billy Graham used to share this illustration. When the Reverend John G. Patton was a missionary in the New Hebrides Islands, hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters one night, intent on burning the Pattons out and killing them. John Patton and his wife prayed all during that terror-filled night that God would protect them from those warriors outside their doors. When daylight came, they were amazed to see that the attackers unaccountably left. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus. And Mr. Patton, remembering what had happened that night, asked that chief what had kept him and his men from attacking their home and burning it down. The chief replied to the surprise of Mr. Patton, who were all those men you had with you there? The missionary answered, there was no men there. It was just my wife and I. The chief argued that he had seen many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. They seemed to circle the mission station so that the natives were afraid to attack. Only then did Mr. Patton realize that God had sent his angels to protect them. The chief agreed that there was no other explanation. Angels have been dispatched to God to provide protection for us. Notice what we read in Matthew 18, chapter 10. Jesus spoke these words, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. All of us have angels. And our angels are either in this room protecting us this morning or are, are, are prepared to protect us this morning or they're in the heavenlies next to God the Father worshiping him. Angels are good, but Jesus is better. Do you believe that this morning? Come to Jesus this morning if you do not have a relationship with him. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in Jesus. If you're here this morning, the Lord's leading you to make friendship your church home, then you come and do that as well. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and then we're going to pray. Right, then, we'll, then we'll have our time of invitation. Father God, we come before you, Lord Jesus, this morning again, thanking you for the opportunity to be in your house to worship you. Father, we thank you for angels. Father, we know that you have dispatched angels to protect us. Father, whether we realize it or not, all of us in this room at one time or another have had angels that have surrounded us and provided protection for us. And Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that, that all of us in this room recognize that angels are good, but you are better. You are far more better and far more superior, and it is you that we worship. We don't worship anything that you created. We worship you and you alone. Thank you for the opportunity this morning to worship you. There may be someone here this morning that has yet to enter into a relationship with you. I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. Today will be the beginning point in their lives where they begin to worship you because you are good, you are great, and you are awesome. And we are here to worship you this morning. Lord, just move now during this time of invitation. For in Jesus' name we pray.